Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome, everybody, to the uh, latest HR Pod Squad, last one of the year. And this is the uh, Canadian edition today. <laughs> no way. Got, Take off, got, uh, Serge and Shelly from the Recruitment Flex podcast. And, of course, our friend Joel from Chad and Cheese, dressed up as a Canadian today. So welcome, everybody. Just wanted to make the guests feel at home because oh. we Americans have a bad rap for being, you know, no. nasty, gun-toting folks. So just want to make you feel at home, that's all. I appreciate it, Joel. Uh, you all know me and Joel probably, but uh, if you don't know Serge and Shelley, they do a show called Recruitment Flex out of Canada. And uh, Serge and Shelley, I want you to tell listeners what you guys do with your day jobs as well, because you're practitioners in the space as well. I, I guess I'll go first, just because Serge always has to have the last word. So I am the president of my own firm, Higher Value Inc., and I'm a recruitment advertising agency. And I also do uh, recruitment process audit and strategy for companies. I've been at that now for, I'm in my eighth year. But before that, I've been in uh, talent acquisition since, and I'm going to put a number on it, 94. What about you, Serge? Over to you, Serge. Yeah, so I run a company that's an RPO for startups, primarily in the U.S. in the tech space that are hiring into Canada. Also, similar to Shelley, I do a lot of consulting and process audits going, but I also uh, do some uh, consulting for HR tech firms, and I also consult for some tech companies that are recruiting in the space as well. Basically, I like to call myself the jack of all trade when it comes to recruitment. There's really nothing that I can't or won't do. I'm I'm pretty easy. Excellent. That's well, what I'm she with said. Joel's a whiskey <laughs> distributor during his day day job. So how's that going, Joel? Whiskey contributor? Distributor? <laughs> uh, Giving away free whiskey all day. What, what else yeah. do you do during the day? Yeah, I'm the co-host of the Chad and Cheese podcast and our current seasonal giveaway is uh, scotch. So we've scotch. partnered with okay. our, our Scottish friends over at Candidate. We're giving away three bottles of bottles that retail at $1,000 or more. So even if you don't like scotch, just uh, put it away for a while and give it to your kid or whatever. Make it a special gift uh, or just make it an investment. So yeah, this is year two. Last year, we gave away some pappies, which I assume most of the Americans at least will know what that is. And this year, we're, we're doing scotch. Very good. Surgeon Shelley, I just heard your last show, actually. You were talking about the uh, that Better.com CEO uh, debacle. Yes. I read today that he's taking time off uh, to focus on other things. <laughs> well, what do you think of that, Chris? I, I'm really curious to see because I re-listened to it, and I agree it's so hard to lay off people remotely, but it's the approach that he took and then the news the day after that he got 750 million funding it was just poorly executed and it was hilarious to see basically everyone in pr or in communication just quit shelly was what your was pretty strong that they should have found a way for him to do differently but i don't think that's possible i think he was set in his ways there's no way so you could convince him that he wasn't going to do it this way so if I was in charge of PR, I would have said, if you do it, like I'm handing in my resignation now to, to say, oh, we're all resigning after the fact. That's so weak. No, that, that is the role of a PR person is to stand in front of the bullet. 
or the puck coming at you for a Canadian <laughs> analogy. But you really should. You should be standing. You sh- you're the goalie, man. Don't let him take that shot. And if it does, you've got to be there to filter it. And you thought the HR director should have resigned, which I agree with as I listened back to them. I mean, where, where were they during this, right? There's a right way and a wrong way to fire people, and that was not the right way. But I, I do think that overall, Zoom firings are here to stay. Those aren't going away. I agree. It's just the way you do it. They should have broke it up into smaller teams and did a one-on-one and department heads and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's crazy times. This is America, Jack. <laughs> it's, yeah, like, want, it's 10% of the workforce. It wasn't like... They asked everyone. I thought it was more entertaining the email that was brought out by Forbes where he called everyone dol- slow dolphins to get eaten by sharks or something. Like yeah, that. he called everyone a bunch of dumb dolphins, dolphins which is actually what we, we called our episode is a bunch of dumb <laughs> dolphins. I think he was flexing for the uh, investors. I think he was yeah. being like tough guy and I'm a badass. Really? Yeah, I think that was part of it. They just got, yeah, like I said, gotten a billion dollars. I read an article that said the investors are starting to pump the brakes. It's too late. The money's already in the bank account. Yeah, it'll blow over in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. I mean, Airbnb will be the poster child for how this is done. Like, this is me. I'm, I've made bad decisions or the you know, COVID or whatever it is. Like, you should have put it on him not just been cold and corporate and sorry to say, if you're on this call, you're done. It definitely could have been more human, but mm-hmm. zoom firings are here to stay for sure. Cause no one reads emails anymore. <laughs> Other than just uh, not paying someone. I don't know how else that this will be done. Well, for people that didn't show up, that's probably how they found out is the next day logging in and their access didn't work. There's just a better way of doing that. And the optics of getting $750 million a day after and talking about market and efficiencies, it, it was just cold. It came really cold. And in December, come on, give me a break. A month before Christmas? Month- I agree with. That's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah There's no winners in that one. Yeah. Now, what, what was interesting to me as, as well is all, all the talk, all the chatter happened on blind, which to me is it's not Glassdoor. It's not indeed like where the employees went to, to talk shit and vent about this was on blind. And I wonder if it's a moment where we say the day Glassdoor died was the day <laughs> that this happened, because all of that went over to a much more interactive platform, in my opinion, in blind as opposed to Glassdoor. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but that's where the activity happened. And to me, I live in the space of employee reviews, and that was really interesting to me that that's where a lot of the, the conversation happened. And the CEO actually went on blind anonymously, <laughs> apparently, and started talking to the employees. Yeah, what did he say? He came out and said that two weeks. Basically, most of these people that got fired were clocking in, well, clocking in eight hours, but only working two hours. I don't think it was the right timing to do that. I think the guy's got a pretty big ego. I don't know, I but I still think he'll be around in six months, a year from now. He's still going to be the CEO. This will blow over. Yeah, he's not the first CEO with an ego. No, I, it's a prerequisite, right? Most cases, yes, I would say so. But the thing is, I never heard of Blind before this incident. This is the first news of Blind. Yeah. I'd never gone through. did a little it's bit of It's kind of a Silicon Valley uh, thing, I think, right, Joel? Yeah, it was certainly born in Silicon Valley. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's 
eight-year-old company. It's been around for a while. Definitely tech. I mean, this company would fall under tech. I just think that the days of like, I go to a, I go to a site, I leave a re, like a review and I click stars. And that just feels very 2008 to me with people talking like TikTok and video and blind. It just seems the review space is moving away from what we think of as the employee review sites. And mm. I'm sure if someone from Glassdoor indeed were on the call, they'd say, oh, we get 100,000 reviews a day. You're insane. Like we're still crushing it. But it just feels like a moment where we're moving away from typing in on a keyboard what I think about my employer. Well, I didn't stop a company called JobSage from launching uh, this week. It's a new employer review site. Yeah. JobSage.com. Yeah. So I wrote about it. You know, Good luck. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Is it unique? Said. No, it looks like a glass door. Right? Okay. Well, good luck. So, yeah. Guys, it's been quite a year, 2021. Uh, I'm just curious to get your, all, all your thoughts on what we remember about this year, looking 10 years from now. What do you, when you look back at this time frame, what, what's, what comes to mind? Ladies first. I guess what I'm going to remember most about 2021, I had three things, but I think it was the realization of like, we've always had in recruitment, what we called candidate no-shows, but this was the year that candidate ghosting, I, I think it was the year where candidates really took control of the whole recruitment process. And the amount of loyalty ever shown to them was what we were getting back. So it was the, the year of karma, I think, because for years, recruiters, we got addicted to getting hundreds of applicants. It's impossible to get back to people. Applicants, they, they grew accustomed to being ghosted by recruitment, and now the shoe's on the other foot. That's what I think I'm going to remember most about 2021. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon because I do believe this was really interesting because this was the year that candidates decided I'm not going to take this shit anymore. Like I'm not going to work for your crap culture, your micromanaging boss. I, I'm just not going to go work for those companies and I'm going to do my own thing. We're seeing really a lot of people going into the freelance space, figuring out what they want to do, reskilling. The other factor that I think this year is going to be a year that we look back and what happened in recruitment. It's really the first year that senior executives or leaders and organizations really care about recruitment because it's dramatically impacting their business. I've done this for 20 years. I've rarely had a president, CEO care anything about recruitment. As long as people are coming in, that's all they cared about, had issues getting budget. Everything was a challenge as this year, they've realized that if we don't pay attention to this, it's going to have a dramatic impact on our business and potentially also the economy as we move forward. So mm -hmm. I think that was the biggest thing for me in 2021. Joel, yeah. your turn. Go ahead, Joel. So I, so I have five things. Can I mention all five or do I have to pick one? Let me just, be, I'll let me be pick quick. it back on those guys first and you can, you can come uh, in go and ahead. talk a little bit longer. So yeah, I agree. It's Sergeant Shelley. It's, to me, it's, it's a reckoning happening in the, uh, the job market today that we're seeing. And uh, I think too, for me, one thing I'll take away is just the overall assessment of work in general as a human, right? People are reassessing their lives and uh, how they want to live, how they want to work. And uh, to me, this is a massive sea change in the way people think about work overall and it's not going back to any to previous levels any anytime soon so i think if you're an employer you have to really wake up and recognize that fact and start treating people like humans rather than just bots and 
and widgets inside uh, your organization. So that's what I'll take away from qu- this year. Question, question for all three of you based on uh, what you guys just said. Who, who's going to have the last laugh? Labor or capital? How far ahead are we really this decade. thinking? Labor. Labor? Yeah. Look, it, 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 it's cyclical, right? So right now it's labor. But if the market, you know, if the economy turns, then that's you know, here's, To me, here's the flip side of that, right? Okay, workers have more power. They can demand more money. They can hold the cards. But to me, that is, that's going to speed up automation. That's only going to speed up employers saying, okay, let's speed up the robots. Let's speed up the trucks that drive themselves. Let's speed up the hamburger makers that like, so I think capital is going to have the last laugh. I think that the workers having the power now is only pushing capital and employers to automate more and more. Because when you start doing the math of paying these folks, like eventually people aren't going to pay $18 for a burrito at Chipotle. I don't care how much you pay the workers. And at that point, that's, that's, I can't get a decent a, burrito for under $18. That's so, a loonies. That's $2. Well. So it's a different math. That's right. That. Yeah. Not, I, I was, yeah, convert that to American dollars. Yeah, I have to down in 2030. Who, who's going to have the last laugh? Where's the power going to be? And I well, think it's, I'm it's, okay with some, so, some automation, right? If they're replacing the cashier at McDonald's, nobody wants that job anyway. So if that job disappears, I don't think anybody cares. Uh, Well, I think automation was happening anyways. I I think this is just Uh, accelerating it. And I don't think by 2030, I still think labor will hold the cards. Because even though a lot of these jobs, like we're talking about the service industry, we're talking about those types of roles, a lot of it will be automated. And thank God, because no one really wants to do that. And in 10 years, years, the population is not growing as it once was either. People aren't having kids anymore. Immigration is what it was before. Exactly, if we, right? If we go back to immigration the way it was, things could reverse. <clears throat> yeah. And we, we I know should people look aren't. at immigration as part of this part of the solution, right? Like, why aren't we letting people in the border to work Politics. these low-wage jobs, right? Let's go. Politics. Mm-hmm. They have drugs. They're rapists, Chris. You can't mm-hmm. let them in the, in the door. It's ridiculous, mm-hmm. man. But anyway. Totally ridiculous. Yeah. Do I know no, I mine, think- so I think yes, you're right. Ahead, so I just wanted to tag on to what you said, Joel, because when I look back, uh, when there's been a specific skill shortage for anything, if we think back to even 10 years ago, they used to have people walking around to your house to read your your natural gas, your power meter. It's all automated because nobody wanted that job and people were getting hurt all the time. So technology will replace those m- more mundane tasks. And wherever there's a deficit, it does cause technology to be accelerated. Even here in Canada, we saw like an extreme shortage of skill set for something called a power engineer. And so it was only a matter of time before there was a technology developed that you didn't have to have a human monitoring this piece of equipment. So I do believe that technology will fill in the gaps where labor doesn't want to do the work. I just don't know. They have automated tree pickers. Do they have automated carrot pickers? Sure. I think in the context you're saying, Joel, is in 10 years from now, automation will be a lot more impactful, but there's also going to be new industries and new talent that is going to be needed. I totally agree. And, the, and, and, more, and more than likely, those jobs will be more knowledge-based jobs. They won't be flipping burgers and yeah. serving milkshakes or no, nothing against those folks. 
And a whole other thing is, should teenagers who are out of those jobs go back to doing some of those jobs to start getting some of that experience? That's a whole other whole other issue. I just think people with calculators are saying, we're paying how much for these people? And we could pay how much for technology to do this? Let's speed up that technology piece and get rid of this really high cost, pain in the ass, hiring mm-hmm. people, human being thing. And I think that's going to be expedited because of the $15, yeah. $20 an hour jobs. Joel, tell us about your 2021. What will you remember most about 2021? Sorry, I wrote down some stuff. I'll make it quick. So I I definitely had, labor had a moment over capital, which all you guys uh, talked about. For me, certainly in our podcast, Chris can reflect on this as well, is that the amount of money that came in our space was totally ridiculous. It was totally Looney Tunes, crazy town. Chris and I can remember days when if you got $50 million, you were boats and hoes, man. It was like cocaine and champagne. <laughs> and now we just yawn at someone getting fifty million dollars. If you're not make if you're not getting a hundred to five hundred million dollars, it's who gives a shit. And that's crazy. Like that that cannot last. So that that really stood out to me. Diversity, to me, there was, you can't deny that people actually started budgeting for diversity programs. People started actually putting people of color on boards of directors that should have been doing a long time ago. Nike, companies that you think of should be doing that, finally started doing it. I realized that I miss people. This Zoom thing is fun, but it sucks. I would much rather be at a bar with you people, drinking whatever, talking shop. Like I've really realized while I hate most people, being amongst people is really oxygen for me. And that's been really tough the last two years for me. And then the last thing I had was... I think we're at peak podcast. I remember the blog phenomenon in the mid-2000s when everyone had a blog. Everyone had something to say for about nine to 10 blog posts, and then they were done with it. And I think that we're done with everyone having a podcast. You can't have this many podcasts. And people are going to get started. They're going to have two or five to 10 episodes in them. And they're going to have four listeners and say, like, why am I doing this? And they're going to just fade away. Those are my 2021 takeaways. So what's the stat around that? I think most podcast episodes don't go past six. Let's go to the point that you have on funding. $17.5 billion uh, was spent on HR Tech this year. And the highest before was in 2020, uh, 2019, which was $5.3 billion. Like, how do we explain a threefold increase in spend on the HR Tech space? What's happened? The hiring stuff, it's just it's become so challenging that investors are willing to throw money at anything now. But we've hit peak HR tag, I think. I don't think we're going back to these levels next year. You don't really? think so? I just can't see it. No, nah, I can't see it. There's so much money in the space. It's ridiculous, like Joel said. And if only 10% of these things are going to hit as far as a return on investment. The debate, Joel, is 2022, more, more HR tech funding or less than last year? I say less. Has everyone said something? No. No. Oh, I get to go first this time? You go first. Sure. Oh, no chance. No chance. I'm calling for a 50% decrease or more. I'm probably more like closer to 25. There's just interest rates are going up. Money's not free anymore. Like it just, it can't. There's not even enough people. Zipper wasn't huge. ISIMS is not going to be huge. Yeah. I just, it's time for these companies to go public. It's time for these companies to either blow up or get acquired. That's what's going to be fun to talk about. I don't think the money, no way the money flows, in my opinion, like it did in 20 and 21. 
So here's what I don't understand is the sudden pop-up. It was like the pop-up everywhere of all these tech firms. And a lot of them really weren't thought out. What I felt, like even when uh, Serge and I interviewed a few people throughout the year, but I remember feeling like they're trying to capitalize on the fact that I worked for Google. But when you really looked at what's, what were they trying to fix and what was this tech? And to someone who's maybe not plugged into the real life problems we're trying to solve, those investors, they started throwing money at it because this guy must know what he's talking about because he's former Facebook or their former Google people or their former Microsoft people, LinkedIn people, whatever. But the fact was they weren't solving any real problems. I think those will evaporate. I think what we will see is some really good solutions that will fill in those blank spots in in HR tech. I'm going to go against everyone and say there's actually going to be more funding in 2022 than there was in 2021. And the reason is this year we've discovered a ton of problems that a lot of people never realized there was this problem. And it's put new eyeballs, different investors that have never thought about HR tech into this space. So I think the year where it's going to crash dramatically is going to be the year after. I, and I still think this year we're going to see the most acquisitions we've ever seen. I think we are going to see a lot of big guys either acquire or get acquired. I was wrong in my prediction that this year that Zip Recruiter was going to get acquired by Recruit, which obviously didn't happen. But I think we're going to see some massive acquisitions next year. You're going to read a lot of terms not disclosed next year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope, what right. your I hope mo- the money flows because it makes for great podcasts. Oh, I agree. What was your most surprising funding or acquisition, Joel? <clears throat> funding or acquisition. Man, put me on the spot. I'll read you some. Names. I think, I think probably. Oh. I, the the chatbot thing didn't work out like I thought it would, and, and that's not a specific company or I think just Ali Ogon and you mentioned the Google founder thing that that popped in my head. My I think Zor be gone. You see a lot of overseas. Like I expected to read a lot more of uh, next level of funding for these companies. From 50 million to now they've got 200 million or instead of that, they all sold off. And now you have Paradox apparently is the alpha male uh, of the group. And uh, so I I guess that shocked me. I felt like that was floor falling out that I didn't expect. But I'll say, yeah, like remote and deal and canvas and just so much money. Like there's just no way those companies can survive that much capital. No, like what I'm opinion. surprised about was the uh, like the huge rounds, like the five hundred million dollar rounds. Like Job and Talent just got that out of Madrid, and they want to come to the U.S. now and try and tackle the you know blue collar job market. And there's already a bunch of players oh, yeah. already in that. That kind of surprised well, I mean, me. Just that, that amount of money is just. There's so many trails of dead bodies of companies right. trying to go into the U.S. and make it a go. If you're not American, to make it in America is almost impossible. From in every aspect from even like a retail store going into the U.S. They, Canadian Tire did not survive in the U.S. Like how can you imagine that? That's like a 
Hold on. Target didn't make it in Canada, so it works. Target was more execution, right? Target did failed in Canada because it was so poorly executed. But as soon as as soon as Americans see favorite written with a U, they're out. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds simple, but it's true. Hey. Favorite honor, yeah. You, you labor use too many use labor, yeah. Were you guys surprised by the Pandologic acquisition? Yeah, that was a bit surprising because it was a company that wasn't uh, no. tech. No, you weren't, Chris. You were. Yeah, because everyone gets acquired is gets acquired by another HR tech company, so that's the outlier uh, this year. Shelly, were you surprised? Sorry, I should have. I I'm not. I wasn't really following it, honest to God. Other than I know you're excited about it, but that stuff is uh, meh. Really, unless you're some insider. To me, it is. It's rather meh. Let's talk about acquisitions in Canada. Sorry, Chris, I'm taking over your show. Yeah. Um, Could you just stop, Serge? Yeah, I'll stop. Let Chris run his show. Sorry, Chris. Let me ask you guys a question about inflation. So. I was thinking about this today. Everyone's talking about inflation. It's people are saying it's going up. I'm curious how, how you guys are seeing in your daily lives. I'm like, I go to the grocery store. Well, there's a few less things on the shelf. The steak is a little bit more expensive now. Has it really hurt me as a consumer? No, not yet. But where, what are you guys seeing there in Canada? And Joel, what's your opinion on is inflation hurting the average uh, American right now? Serge, you've got more mouths to feed than all of us. Definitely seeing the baby impact. maker over here. There's no doubt that inflation is impacting because you're looking at what, 6.8% in the US was the latest numbers. In Canada, I think we're like 54 percent it's going to have an impact at one particular point am i seeing it day to day me going to the grocery store yeah like i did the groceries for the first time in six months generally my wife did it and i was shocked of how much just stuff costs like i i remember like buying like a bag of chip was like seven dollars is i thought my assumption was like three dollars eighteen dollar burritos for god's sake eighteen dollar exactly. burritos but so that I, makes I, sense because we pay, we actually pay a living wage to food service workers. They actually make enough money that they can feed their own families. And any restaurants that survived the lockdowns and COVID, yeah, the prices have gone up. My dad and I love to go out for dim sum. And two people, we would normally spend $40. Last time we went, it was $9.90. And we didn't eat that much more than we normally would. Yes, if you are going to be going out and going to restaurants, it is double. Yeah. In terms of groceries, yes, I hear you, Chris. Am I feeling it? What's a little bit where I'm really seeing it is, is if you want to if you want to be waited on like yeah. an actual it's a lot of the goods like restaurant. The, that we buy and i think once the supply chain problems do work their way out next year i do think inflation is coming down but that's that's my guess anyway so i'm hopeful that's going to happen and it is well, does labor have that much of a, a leg up if their new salaries are still under inflationary numbers <clears throat> for what they they buy every day and i think if you do the math on that it gets interesting I think that raise for minimum wage isn't quite what it was two years ago. Perhaps, but yeah. it's still a good thing overall for the uh, for the economy well, and for the American worker. The U.S. <laughs> minimum wage has been the same since 2009. Like it's, at one particular point, well, that's, that's the federal wage. That doesn't really. I'm talking about the private sector, but basically that that's taking care of itself these days in terms of the uh, minimum wage. Yes, because it's forced. The current condition has forced the situation, right? right? If not, 
I guarantee you, so the, business the, would we've still be the paying. floor finally now. So it's there to stay. The floor is higher and it's not going down anymore. It's an overall positive effect for. If you're paying more in rent, if you're paying more in gas, if you're paying more for food, like if ultimately, and depending how much driving you're doing, where you live, like that bump in pay may not be as great as the folks of us who own property or houses, whatever, but don't mm-hmm. feel it as much. Like, Inflation is great if you own a house. Yeah. But if I'm renting, it sucks. And a lot of those folks are renting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. What else you guys want to talk about? Those are my topics. What else is on oh, the question? Hiring in 2022. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So What's, uh, what are your thoughts, Shelly? Okay. Go good. I get to start first again. So at, I guess the after effect of 2021. So Google for Jobs now is saying you'll get a better rating, right? If you publish your pay rate, everybody followed suit. And so for 2022, I'm dying to see what's going to happen. I've got what I think will happen. But with everyone now publishing their pay rates, candidates can now go in, they can see this job pays $59 an hour, this one pays um, 60, this one pays 61.50. Do you know what I mean? Like it will drive the market up in a lot of sectors. And sorry, is that a law in Canada? No, I'm saying you'll get a better result if you publish the pay rate of your job. So ratings are ranking. Ratings are ranking. You're ranking. ranking. Rank. So search, search results. Okay. So employers are now on the bandwagon, certainly here in Canada. If you went on and like a high demand job would be heavy equipment operator and you've got five pages of postings and like on the page one out of 10 postings, nine of them have the pay rate published. I've never seen that before. So what will that mean for hiring in 2022? If everybody is now being transparent about what this job pays and you can only buy your way to the top so many times in the search results. What will this mean in, for hiring? Well, in the U.S., it's still that's still a problem in the U.S. anyway. Most employers still don't put their salaries on the jobs. Let's face it. And I'm on Google right now. I just did a search on sales jobs in New York. Ironically, the first job is from Google. It's a account executive, new business sales. There's no salary on it that I can see here. Yeah. And Colorado has a law, right? That you have to publish your salary yeah. rate, which kind of like screwed them when it came Range. to remote work because no one was posting their jobs in Colorado because they had to put the range in. So a catch 22. Yeah, why is, there, why is Those, there such a resistance there? It's just, it's part of the way HR has done business over the years. It's hard to change. It's the way we do it and we like it, Canada. All right. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) I I don't want to change. I think people, yeah, I think it's, uh, they think of it as a competitive advantage. If I show all my cards, I'm at a disadvantage. And it goes to that poker mentality. And it's, we think of it as more of a negotiation, not a transactional. Okay. I'm a programmer and I, I'm worth this much, so we're good. I think the American mentality and culture is, I think I'm worth more than that, and I'm going to go negotiate a better deal, or I'm going to shop around and see what I can do. I just, I don't think it's, it's just, I think the culture is different. Yeah. And what's changed is people no longer ask about what your salary was, they ask you, what do you want to make? That's the new way they filter out candidates uh, down here anyway. Yeah. And look, a lot of the surveys now are people are like, flexibility is more important or benefits or everyone's different. It seems like salary isn't like the number one reason or the only reason, particularly with younger folks, why they take a job. 
I, I disagree. A lot of companies say that salary is not the most important thing, but when I it think comes if all things, to, yeah, when it comes to it, like I live in this space and I recruit every day, and I can tell you that people, the number one thing they care about is salaries because the factors that, like we talk a lot about culture being a great place to work. No one wants so, to work. So, how many would take less to work from home, one hundred percent? Well, right how now, many, how many would work for less if you got Fridays off? Well, I think that would change the game. Yeah, I, I completely that's what I'm agree. Saying. The game is changing. Like I, that's what I'm saying. But Not all jobs are are the same. No, but you are at a serious disadvantage if you don't offer hybrid work for a role that could be hybrid, say an office type role. Like the expectation from the job seekers here in Canada is I'm going to be working from home. I'll go in the office when I want to. And the money better be damn good because if it's not good, I'm going to go to the competitor. So I don't know if those are really advantage because everyone is off. If you're a software developer, working from home is like it's table stake. I don't know that they are all offering that. And someone like Google saying, if you work away from the office, we're going to pay you less based on what your zip code is. And that's We'll Google. see how long that lasts. If nothing else we saw in 2021, who flip-flopped? Nope, everybody's coming back. Oh, nope, maybe not. Well, maybe in December. No, nope, let's wait till February. Because you know what? They come out with these big, bold statements and then the market will pressure them. But I'd ask yeah. you to think about being transparent about not just in our elitist lives here where we're recruiting these top talent, super educated software developers, but think about those in manufacturing. These are like where you are in a market where you're competing with package sorting versus manufacturing line versus assembly versus sorting uh, potatoes or washing spinach, right? It's those jobs that are now being more transparent about what the money is. And I think hiring in 2022, if you want to attract in, in these more industrial setting marketplaces where you've got maybe you're not in the heart of New York with a population of, you know, 10 million people available to you. They are starting to be more transparent about what their pay rates are. And they have to be. And I think that's largely driven by the nature of the workforce now. In other words, if I'm a waiter and whether I serve burritos or steaks or whatever, I want to know if I go to this restaurant next door, I'm making a dollar fifty more an hour. So being transparent with that makes a lot of sense because it's what someone chooses that job for. Whereas a knowledge-based worker, it's much more complicated than that. If I'm a warehouse worker, I can do warehouse anywhere. If I'm a truck driver, I can drive trucks for anybody. So pay transparency, I think, is making more sense in those spaces yeah. than the knowledge-based workforce. By the way, I forgot to shout out to the uh, few listeners we have on the uh, line here. We've got uh, Michael Yingers on there from Resume Civ, Sharon Hancock, Robinson, and Cindy Sonier's on the uh, the call there. What's up, guys? Glad you tuned in. Feel free to say Ho- hello in the chat. Hopefully, it's the end of bad names for companies. Resume <laughs> Civ. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yeah, I say uh, that because I gave him shit on firing squad. Yeah, I, I heard that. that. <laughs> Exactly. I heard that on Firing Squad, which yeah. he did a really good job, by the way, as well. And last That's because we bring out the best in people. Is that it? Yeah, sure. we bring out the light in people that inspire. So has nobody well, else got a, what hiring in 2022 is going to be? 
Oh, I think it's going to loosen up if I'm answering. I think a lot of these people that were trading GameStop, uh, buying crypto, getting stimmies, uh, driving DoorDash, like... Oh, non-fungible tokens, too. They would have been buying. I don't know how many were selling. I love how Maybe you say that, uh, Shelly. But I, I think a lot of a lot of those people are going to realize that it's not as good as I thought it was. And I, my guess is that's going to come around tax time when they have to pay taxes. They're going to realize, oh, shit, uh, maybe I should go back to work. And I think a large <laughs> number of those people that have been living life are going to say, I got to go back to work. So I think it's going to loosen up. I think we're going to get more people in the pipe, more activity is going to go on. I think, I think that's going to be uh, 2022. It won't, I don't think it'll be as congested as it was in 21. I, I agree with that assessment. I think what's going to happen is a lot of boomerang employees. I think we're going to see a lot of people that quit their really shitty job, went to work somewhere else and realize yeah. that it's pretty shitty there too. I mean, like, at least I know the shit over here better and they're going to jump back in. I, I think a lot of people have been selling feet pictures on OnlyFans and realize that you can only go so far and now they're coming back into the workforce. So I think we'll see that as well. I think the freelance area is is definitely going to go back to more full-time work not totally though the other factor yeah. i think we're going to see more immigration i think we're going to see there's we have to nope. in the u.s in canada although your like immigration policies have been a godsend to canada because the amount of talent that we've been able to get in the high tech sector it's been phenomenal. Like you're looking at Toronto and Vancouver right now. They're really competing with major centers in the U.S. as far as where tech talent wants to go. And that's thanks to uh, your Mr. Orange that was there for four years. I think it will loosen up, but it's still going to be crazy. Because let's not forget, recruiting was getting crazy before the pandemic hit. 2019 was extremely challenging to recruit. I think the one thing that we're going to see is even more and more is the need for recruiters uh, and real recruiters that actually do the job right not just order takers or transactional recruiters but real recruiters i think that will not go down i still think there's going to be a high demand for that in 2022 yeah i agree i think it's uh yeah and i hate to be an hr person in the last these last two years they've taken a beating i think over the covid and the vaccine mandates all that stuff i'd hate to be an hr person right now but <laughs> you guys agree Oh, I agree. HR has been the most challenging job, I would say, in the last two years. And I'm not even takeaway recruitment, just HR. Yeah. Having to put these policies in place, try to figure out what's going to happen. Do you bring people back in the office? Do you not bring them back? Uh, people complaining that, hey, I yeah. don't have my vaccine. It's it's. it's there was no playbook the for this stuff. And, the HR yeah. and think about the burnout for these folks. Yeah. Like the burnout of HR folks is we're going mm -hmm. to see a dramatic impact of a lot of them just getting out of HR because they're burning out. It's a tough job these days, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, it's 4.55. I think we've uh, run our course. So uh, I appreciate uh, you guys all, all you guys joining us. It was a great conversation and uh, can't wait to uh, get the replay out there. I wish everybody a happy holidays and a happy new year. And uh, we'll see you in 2022. So <laughs> thank you off so much. <laughs> I have a Merry Christmas there, uh, Joel. And, uh, Thank make you. Sure you you too, there, Serge. You too, there. <laughs> <laughs> you too, there. Oh, Canada. You too, there. Yeah. Oh, there. Thanks Chris, for that, Joel. Thanks for having us thanks, on. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Appreciate being on the show. Have a good one.
imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.